This podcast is intended for healthcare professionals only. Welcome back to the Diabetes Knowledge and Practice podcast, bringing you news, views and updates in diabetes care. Today's episode is supported by an educational grant from Eli Lilly, Merck Sharpen Dome Corp and Novo Nordisk AS, who have had no influence on the content or the choice of faculty. As always, I'm Emma. And I'm Liam. Today we're going to focus on the pertinent subject of the COVID-19 pandemic and the extra challenges it has brought for the management of diabetes. To start the episode, Emma and I are going to discuss what these challenges are before hearing the words of advice about how to address them from Professor Chantal Mathieu, Professor of Medicine at KU Leuven, Belgium. As usual, disclosures and all references discussed during the session today are available in the episode notes. If you'd like to skip ahead to the interview, you can find this around five minutes from the start. The COVID-19 pandemic has brought trials and tribulations across all levels of society. It has soaked up healthcare resources at the expense of many other patient groups, including those with chronic conditions like diabetes, and it encompasses a new risk for people with diabetes to be cautious of. Furthermore, social distancing measures make access to healthcare even more challenging and make it more difficult for some patients to maintain healthy HbA1c levels. But societies and individuals have adapted and innovated to overcome these challenges as much as possible, and today we're going to talk about some of the strategies that healthcare practitioners and patients can employ both now and in the future, even once the pandemic has passed. People with diabetes have been identified as being at a higher risk of death if they do contract the COVID-19 virus. According to a Diabetes UK position statement, this risk is increased if their HbA1c is above 58 millimoles per mole, while an HbA1c of over 87 is described as significantly increasing the risk of death. It's therefore important for clinicians to communicate this risk to their patients and to advise them on the steps they can take to keep themselves as safe as possible. Social distancing measures are an important tactic employed to limit the transmission of the virus. However, these measures present another challenge because they can prevent patients from accessing the care they need. But as described by Svetolina Tankova at the European Association for the Study of Diabetes Annual Meeting, alternatives to -to face-to-face appointments are available, including remote appointments by phone or online, online education and remote prescriptions sent directly to the pharmacist. Still, many patients may be unaware of these options and may be avoiding face-to-face appointments. For those that are aware, adapting to these new technologies may still be challenging for both patients and practitioners. Looking at therapy and glucose monitoring, this is often facilitated remotely already with glucose meters, insulin pumps and other technologies. However, as described by Garg and colleagues, during the pandemic this can be improved upon through direct input of clinical data to a patient's clinical record. Once in place, these adaptations can remove the necessity for patients to visit their GP practice or hospital in many cases, which is not only helpful for infection control, but it can also be more convenient, particularly for patients with physical disabilities. This can therefore improve adherence to consultation schedules, and it can support patients to optimise their own self-care, a benefit that could be observed even after the pandemic has passed. Of course, there will still be some situations where patients will want or need to attend a face-to-face appointment. For example, those that require a proper physical exam or for patients unable to use the required technologies. In these instances, during the pandemic, the challenge is carrying out these appointments in a way that reduces the risk of transmission as much as possible. 
A big part of this is keeping the clinical environment as safe as possible. For example, in the UK, guidance from the NHS recommends that patients wear face coverings and attend appointments alone if possible. And for some visits, patients will be required to have a COVID-19 test and or to self-isolate before visiting. A final challenge that is of particular significance to people with diabetes is the impact the pandemic may have on the patient's daily life. Svetolina Tankova listed several factors associated with the pandemic that may contribute to worsening glycemic control, and these included more limited physical activity, increased food intake, stress, depression and unemployment. Clinicians, therefore, need to support their patients in developing new routines to keep their HbA1c levels down in these challenging times. These challenges leave a lot of unanswered questions for many healthcare providers. For example, how should patients balance the benefits of social distancing with its effects on mental health and glycemic control? Here to answer some of our questions is Professor Chantal Mathieu, Professor of Medicine at the KU Leuven in Belgium. Professor Mathieu's disclosures are available in the episode notes. Thanks for joining us today. So firstly, how do you calculate and communicate the risk of COVID-19 to individual patients with diabetes? And how might you advise them on balancing the benefits and drawbacks of social distancing? The risk for contracting um, COVID as a person living with diabetes is um, not higher than that of a person without diabetes. So it's not the infectiousness of the disease that is higher uh, with a person uh, with diabetes, but the problem in particular in those living with type 2 diabetes, with obesity, with high blood pressure, and with uh, renal problems is that the disease, COVID, is more um, severe. So outcomes are worse in uh, having a higher risk of getting into hospital. And when you're in hospital, having a higher risk of needing uh, intensive care and also eventually dying. So the infectiousness is not higher, but we... uh, clearly explain to uh, everybody uh, of our patients that it is imperative that they follow the guidance of the authorities on uh, social distancing, in our country on wearing uh, masks, compulsory um, in shops, uh, virtually everywhere where you can encounter another person and cannot guarantee that you stay apart more than one and a half uh, meters, washing hands frequently, and of course, Probably the most important advice is avoiding mingling, avoiding meeting other people in person. So same rules as for everybody apply to people living with diabetes. And secondly, what kinds of adaptations have you made to your clinical work since the pandemic onset? So, for example, remote appointments or data retrieval from patient devices like glucose meters? In diabetes care, we already had a lot of uh, virtual contacts with our patients in that in Belgium, for instance, um, and especially in in our uh, hospital, more than uh, 85, even 90 percent of uh, our patients uh, with type 1 diabetes are using uh, one or other form of continuous glucose monitoring. Most of them intermittent scanning uh, glucose monitoring, but many of them also uh, real-time continuous glucose monitoring. And so uh, all of our patients were already uh, 
very much used to sharing their data with us through cloud systems and having contacts with the educators or with the doctors for that matter via virtual um, paths, namely um, uh, phone or uh, email or uh, other platforms. Now, when the big uh, COVID epidemic came, we also switched our face-to-face -face, uh, clinics that are typical multidisciplinary clinics with an educator, nurse or dietitian and a doctor um, uh, encountering the patient. We also switched these to uh, virtual clinics. And so that was um, uh, quite an interesting experience in that, first of all, uh, uh, people living with diabetes being followed in our uh, hospital were very grateful uh, that we uh, tried to reach them uh, at times when we couldn't uh, invite them into the hospital, but that we tried to reach them virtually. But then it became clear after three, four months that patients were really craving face-to-face -face meetings. It was a very strange signal because after three, four months, when the second clinic came up, we offered them the possibility to go on via virtual clinics or come to the, uh, to the hospital and, and meet us face-to-face, -face, or should I say mask-to-mask. -mask. And I can say that more than 90%, especially of our type 1s, chose to come um, physically uh, to the clinic. That being said, Belgium is a very small country, so um, distances are not huge, but it was clear that um, when we have a, a, a clinic, it's much more than just looking at glucose levels and, and looking at weight and blood pressure and, and you know giving advice on insulin. But there's also this very important factor of motivation and, and really face-to-face -face contact. For the people with type 2 diabetes, it was a bit more difficult because there, most of the time, we don't have sensors. So there we needed to rely on, on self-measured you know, self um, blood glucose um, uh, values. But again, there we found ways of sharing these uh, virtually. Here, the follow-up clinics, there we did have about 20% of our, uh, especially elderly and more frail people living with type 2 diabetes, who chose to go on with a virtual contact with the multidisciplinary team. But so, um, quite a mixed uh, image with this very important message from our patients to the team that they need us for much more than just adapting insulin. And are there any effective strategies that you've seen patients employing to ensure that they maintain good glycemic control during the pandemic? During the pandemic, um, people react differently. Um, in, in the first wave, when everything was new and we were in springtime in 2020, uh, we saw most people actually paying more attention to healthy living, to healthy eating, to exercising. And really, it was like um, uh, an opportunity for many uh, people living with diabetes to focus on their health, to focus on their uh, glucose measures, to uh, try finally the adaptation of, I don't know what medicine that we had suggested already for many months, that now they said, you know what, I'll give it a try. So the, the first months when everything was new, 
uh, it was actually an improved uh, uh, situation of glycemia control, except for uh, some people who really suffered uh, from the psychological stress. And we saw, we, we did see some uh, diabetic ketoacidosis uh, and also, uh, unfortunately, also uh, foot problems of, of people who neglected their feet. But then uh, in the second half of 2020, as time went by and people started to really feel the weight of, you know, um, self-isolation or, uh, you know, the, the, the loss of perspective, we had a, a big second wave in Belgium in, in, in the autumn of 2020. And so there we saw so many people who were fed up with everything and started to neglect their uh, self-care, their glycemic control, started overeating, gaining weight. So it's really a very mixed picture. And um, the, the situation where we are now is that everybody is desperately waiting for uh, vaccination. We do hope that people with diabetes type 1 and type 2 will be given priority, but um, uh, Honestly, for the moment, it is a bit chaotic, especially in my little country, on um, who is vaccinated first. We have the nursing homes first and the medical personnel, but it's taking oh so long and, and people are counting the days uh, uh, for their vaccination. And it's really starting to weigh very heavily on people. And so, whereas in the beginning we saw improved uh, attention to health uh, we now start seeing people who are fed up with it and, and, and start to get worse glycemic control and, and gaining of weight. Are there aspects of all these changes that you expect to be retained in the future, even at a point that we might consider to be post-pandemic? A big advantage of uh, virtual clinics is that you can have them more frequently than uh, just having uh, the face-to-face -face encounters. So, in, again, in my center, we, we did have already a lot of virtual contacts between the uh, diabetes educator nurses, the diabetes educator uh, dietitians, the psychologists, and uh, people living with type 1 diabetes. Um, what I um, uh, believe will happen in, in the future is that also some of the clinical encounters with the doctors will be switched to virtual contacts. I give as an example, for instance, our pregnant ladies with type 1 diabetes. They uh, are coming to the hospital every two weeks. Um, same is true for people with gestational diabetes coming to the hospital every two weeks. Uh, and, and these contacts may really shift to... Um, you know, 50-50 virtual, 50-50 face-to-face. Now, one of the uh, bottlenecks, however, in implementing virtual uh, care is reimbursement of that virtual care. Because in Belgium, we have a system of um, uh, like a, a forfeit where you have a lump sum reimbursement for the education. So that's fine. But we have a reimbursement of doctor's visits only when these are face-to-face. Now, with the COVID, our government um, also introduced reimbursement for virtual clinics, and we um, they, they clearly stipulated that this would be a temporary uh, phenomenon just lasting during the COVID uh, epidemic. Uh, now we're uh, one year ahead, and um, it is clear that many voices are now um, 
being raised to uh, keep this virtual uh, clinic possibility also after the COVID uh, epidemic. But we'll have to see because indeed um, uh, doctors also need to make a living. And um, if, if the virtual clinics are not reimbursed and the face-to-face -face are reimbursed, you can imagine that doctors will demand that the patients come face-to-face. -face. Do you have any other advice for clinicians to overcome the challenges of the pandemic or to overcome similar challenges in the future? To me, um, what has saved everything was the teamwork and the input of everybody, not only the doctors, the dietitians, the nurses, the psychologists, but also uh, the patients themselves in, in shaping how the uh, care for people specifically with, with diabetes should look like. They drove us in adapting uh, what we're doing to their needs and I believe, to me, that is the most important lesson. Uh, another important lesson is um, perspective. We need we need hope. We need um, some perspective because that's what is weighing now. The, the fact that there's only a very flickering light at the end of the tunnel with the vaccination, but even there, it's it's not clear. And then finally. Um, to me, also, the fact that um, clinics are about so much more than just uh, adapting insulin doses or adapting um, antihypertensive drugs. It is about seeing each other, about motivating the patient, about guiding them in, in their life and, you know, just being able to see each other's face, to see a smile on the face of the nurse or, or to get a, you know, a shoulder pat from the doctor. I underestimated the importance of that for my patients. And, and so it's, it's really so important that we will be able to have that again. And do you have any final remarks you'd like to make on this topic? What we shouldn't forget is that the chronic diseases have not disappeared when COVID came to the forefront. So I acknowledge that beating COVID uh, is of the utmost importance for um, all of us. But what we shouldn't forget is that people who have a chronic condition like diabetes, for instance, uh, have that still as their priority in their life. And so um, we shouldn't um, neglect these chronic diseases and, and the care they demand. And it is the case also for other chronic diseases like people living with obesity, people living with hypertension, with heart failure, etc. We shouldn't neglect the care for these chronic diseases during COVID epidemics. This brings us to the end of today's time. To conclude, the COVID-19 pandemic has meant more reliance on technologies for remote management, some of which may offer benefits even after the pandemic, but face-to-face -face contact is still key. Teamwork between healthcare professionals as well as with people with diabetes themselves will continue to be paramount in maintaining effective diabetes management throughout the pandemic. Thanks for joining us. As a reminder, all references discussed in the episode are available in the description and we'd love to hear from you on social media. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to this podcast on your favourite app or recommend us to your colleagues. You can also access all of our free accredited CME content at knowledgeinpractice.eu, including interactive case studies, 
and packages for small group learning. Join us again for the next episode when we'll be discussing setting glycemic targets with Professor Peter Rossing 